nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. We're starting a new little segment here, and these are, I think we can call it words in the news. And these are words that we've sort of come across recently, either hearing them or in print, that are confusable, problematic, or just plain wrong. And I think we sort of, we can discuss them. Kathy, you want to start out with the first? Or? Well, the first one actually is um, a little while back, we covered this. We were talking about how people use opportunistic um, incorrectly. They use it to mean opportune. And Ross found the perfect example of this in its most confusing sense. Because I tell you, when you hear this, Fletcher, I'm curious what you think it is, because we talked about this. It's from an article by Victor Davis Hansen called The Switcheroo of the Two Parties, obviously uh, Democrats and Republicans. And what he wrote was moderates who once embraced former President Bill Clinton's opportunistic third way are now either irrelevant or non-existent. So what? What does it mean, Fletcher? <laughs> what do you think that means? Um, it, it, I mean, it, what that sounds like is that the, the third way, Clinton's third way, it w- was taking advantage of some situation. Yeah, and it, that's exactly what we read it as. Yeah. Opportunistic, if we, you know, we, we, we talked about this earlier, but we can, let's repeat it. Opportunistic means taking advantage of circumstances without regard to ethics. In effect, you're... I was going to say, in effect, you're being opportunistic. Right. So basically, we in this case, uh, politically, Clinton and his third way. Now, is, uh, just, I just have to ask, is third way like a proper noun here? Because there is a group called third way, I think. Th- this isn't what no. we're talking about. This is, a, this, no. is, this is sort of his, the triangulation. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. So, so basically what this sounds like is that Clinton uh, saw a, uh, an opportunity he could take advantage of within the electorate and and went after that. That's what this sounds like. But it's the key thing, though, is it's taking advantage without regard to ethics. It's, in effect, cynical. Right. Opportune is an appropriate or well-chosen time. So Kathy and I, as did you, presumed that he was saying basically Clinton is sort of a cynical git who did this. I don't think git. I would think cynical operator. Operator. Okay. So we looked up Victor Davis Hanson and his earlier uh, articles on um, Clinton, and it seemed to us that he's he seems to be a Republican or a conservative, but he seems to have liked Clinton. So we're thinking he probably should have used the word opportune in this case. Because he's talking about moderates who are now irrelevant because they embraced the third way. It's very confusing to me. I, I really honestly, I could go either way. I don't think even, I don't think opportune really works there either. I mean, it sounds like either he meant what he wrote or he should have just chosen an entirely different word. I think you're right. I think you're correct. But I think it goes to something we've talked about in the past. You know, we we tend to think that, you know, language is changing and you don't have to be perfectly you know prescriptive and everything but sometimes a little prescription does help sometimes paying attention to classical definitions does help 
because when he wrote this, what he did was cause confusion in the three of us. We have really no real way of knowing what he means by this, which I thought was really interesting. I, I got to leap in. And to me, it's, it's, it's an example of times when people want to put in a fan. I, 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 you know, this is one of my big things when people try to use fancier words and, and they don't belong. It's just like, just mm -hmm. stop it. Be, be clearer, be simpler and, and just cut it out. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that he, I, I think he didn't even need it. No, why, that's what why, Fletcher why not said. Just, yeah, yeah, I think that Fletcher's absolutely right. Why not just say embrace Bill Clinton's third way? Right. Unless he's changed his tune and he really did mean it. Could be. Gotta, we gotta, we gotta dig a little more. I'm curious <laughs> now. Let's write Victor Davis Hanson if you're listening. You know? <laughs> but I did, I did find he he does skew Republican, but earlier articles of his did. And even when he was writing the earlier articles, he was a Republican or skewing Republican or conservative. He was actually lauding uh, President Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he meant opportunistic either. And in our book, uh, uh, that doesn't mean what you think it means. We looked up opportunistic and it's associated with infections and slime ball <laughs> and pathogens. <laughs> so that was the i think we had a hit on google engram which had the highest uh you know connectivities so i don't really i personally don't think he meant opportunistic at all i guess regardless of what he uh, may or may not have meant certainly we see that word as you've described misused all the time meaning opportune people people use opportunistic uh and and add a feeling there that that shouldn't be there you know add, add that right. that negative connotation so that's a problem with words sometimes it does pay to look up the definition before you write it or as kathy said just skip the word completely i always think the easiest way is the best way personally yes be, be the willow be the willow yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say be a hemingway Use oh, okay. simple be words. the hemingway or the willow take it yeah, okay the next you can do it ross because this is not one of my favorite words okay uh, this was really interesting because these two words, they were also, were they in the, that doesn't mean what you think it means or in another one? I don't remember. Oh, no, we put that in the other last book, Awkward Moments, we put it in. This is an interesting distinction. And Justice Sotomayor in the Supreme Court seems to have taken uh, the word, the, the two words the wrong way. But I'm going to ask you, because Kathy didn't really, I mean, we wrote the, you know, we wrote it in our book, so we knew it, but Kathy didn't take this as a, an important problem. I well, I didn't want to have the words in the book, if you recall. I know. <laughs> so I, just, I, so, I want to say that right now. So you're, you're extending it. your old argument into into today's show. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's a brother-sister <laughs> argument that continues. You two never let anything go. To, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're taking our argument to the Supreme Court right now. So. Okay, because I, I wasn't, when I was a foreign service officer in the State Department, we always used these words because they had Whatever. Let's just give the words to Fletcher. Yeah, really? Come on. <laughs> okay. Justice Sotomayor said they were speaking of segregation. And she apparently said something that we certainly in the U.S. have de jure segregation. And oh. alert listeners or readers said she should have said de facto, de facto. segregation. Right. And are you, you seem to be aware of the distinction, are you or oh, not? I, I am because we've talked about it before. Now, it's been quite a while. I can't quite remember whether mm -hmm. it was even this this calendar year. Um, it's 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 been a while mm -hmm. since we talked about de jure and de facto. But but yeah, 
I am aware now of the distinction. I didn't I, I knew before they were different things, but I wasn't positive about what de jure actually meant. Right. But that means in 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 or that means uh, by law, right? Or it's Correct. actually it's right. actually written. Correct. Yeah. Whereas de facto yeah. means it's it's happening. It has nothing to do with the law. It's just happening. Now, I have to say that seems like a strange thing for Sonia Sotomayor to misspeak. I mean, be, being a, a legal scholar as she is. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, we've, Kathy and I, you know, we've talked about these before, but I mean, all of us make errors because we're caught in the moment on something else and then we, you were not yeah. thinking or yeah. something like that. I mean, that happened. My guess would be that she made that, she was thinking about segregation and wasn't thinking about de jure or. Although, or I'm sorry, I'm looking at her explanation and it, it get, again, we go back to getting even more confused. What she said was, and I'm looking at it right now, from the transcript, she said, de jure to me means places are segregated. The causes may be different, but places are segregated in our country. And then she goes on. Oh, I see. But the segregation, residential segregation, schools. So in effect, mm. I, I actually can mm. see her point. Mm -hmm. I'm cutting her slack here. I, I don't think that it's necessarily wrong. It sounds like it was wrong, but I don't think it was how she meant it. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the same thing. And I mean, it does... Unless she's saying basically de jure in terms of by the law means we have so many laws that end up uh, discriminating because of um, how I'm trying to think we have I laws can kind that... of see it, though. I mean, something doesn't necessarily explicitly need to say this is segregated in order for it still to affect segregation legally. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't explicitly have to have the word segregation in order still to be a legal form a of segregation. Legal segregation. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that I think she's extending it to say that it's it's like the causes are different places are in effect legally separated whether it's segregated whether it's because of redlining or whatever. Don't you think? That's what I'm seeing. Uh, that's that would be my guess too. I mean, we had that case when we were kids, they were busing people and we lived in a in a little uh, almost all white town, but because our town was legally a little teeny town we didn't have busing whereas someone mm. like legally in a in a large metropolitan yes yeah, i would area, argue in yeah. a funny way then that would be de jure segregation that might be de jure she might have meant that that's what i'm thinking a lot of people here are saying that that's not the case the problem is that that, that became the the whole argument became politicized so it's of difficult course. to really to really understand what they're saying. But I think it does go back to our point, which we're not being political here. We're being philological or word oriented. I think the point is that words do have meaning and using words incorrectly or in a confusing way can cause further confusion. So what we're doing is valuable, right? Very valuable. <laughs> Very. <laughs> it, it is nice to feel validated. <laughs> But are we really? Never mind. <laughs> no, don't go there. Are we de facto? <laughs> I, I, I think I, you know we can we can move on from that. But I think that's a really interesting point that that I think she's making. You know uh, that that it the segregation really could be uh, de jure and not just de facto 
I think it's a nuanced point, and I th- I think it's I think it's really interesting. And, and you know, like I said, something we can move on from because it wasn't exactly the thrust of what we were doing here. But I think it's interesting it as is. well because I I agree with you. I think nuanced is the correct term. I think that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is, and I think you've got people jumping on it because it's like, oh boy, we get to get her. Mm-hmm. Frankly, but mm-hmm. that's just my Could be. my thought. We should add with the one thing we found with the jury that our favorite thing was uh, inventions in a novel. Mm-hmm. A person was eating. Soup de jure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we both said that that should be the name for a courthouse cafeteria. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on to, Here's another business idea. Trust me. We got T-shirts. We got yep. a cafeteria. Now. We're, we're moving. <laughs> we're playing lotto. And now, should we move on to the, the let's like test Fletcher, Ross? Yeah, let's test Fletcher. Okay. Well, we said that like... Since we've already dinged two people um, with errors, let's see if Fletcher will make his own mistakes with the most misspelled words in the U.S. Yeah, and this is according to who? To whom? To whom? Very good. Um, Word tips. They do a lot of um, stuff like this, and and we get their press releases all the time, but this one was such fun, we couldn't resist. And we have to say, this is based upon two billion tweets. Two billion. So this is a large With a sample. B. Okay. Mm-hmm. A B. And before we go, I have to say, I don't know. I tested myself, and I didn't do as well as I thought I would do. How did you do, Kathy? I did quite well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to interject. How did you do in Jeopardy, Kathy? <laughs> but we won't go there. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> Okay, word number one. Okay, Fletcher, coolie. Coolie? This was number one misspelled word in America. As in, he looked at her. Oh, cool, coolie. Okay. Coolie. Coolie. <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I'm surprised by how hard I'm finding this. Okay. Try writing it if you've, if you've got a pencil. Try writing think... it. It's easier. Let me, all right, let me write this down. Okay, so right now we're, we're talking about the adverb form of of, of cool, cool, right? So He looked at her coolly. Woo! It still doesn't help writing it down. So basically, <laughs> basically right now, of course, I'm, I'm struggling between whether we have two L's or one L. And, right. Um, oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to go with two L's. Good, Fletcher! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you did it! Ding, ding, ding. All right. This one had a really high rate of uh, misspelling. It was 65.9% was the, it doubled the, the next one. Obviously, I can understand why. It's it's funny because it seems so easy because that was, as, as Ross just said, it's number one. And and we started trying to think of other L-Y with an L in front of it. And most of them are not this tough. I mean, like, Mm-mm. evilly has double, is, has, is, is, is a word that ends with L. You add an L-Y. That doesn't seem difficult, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I didn't like foully. Foully. Ooh. Write that F- down, Fletcher. F-O-U-L-L-Y. I don't know if I've ever used that word. Well, it, F-O-U-L-Y looks really weird. Wrong. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, I wouldn't even know what that word was supposed to be, honestly. The one that got me, because they're almost exactly like it's fully, F-U-L-L-Y, fully. Uh-huh. seems fine. Why don't, we have, why don't we have three L's on fully? <laughs> yeah, that's what I think that'd be better. <laughs> I mean, like, calm everybody down. But dully to me looks wrong, D-U-L-L-Y. It looks like dully. Dully, uh-huh. Try also orally, which looks 
Yeah, that looks fine. just fine and, with two L's. Yeah. And then write ovally. Ovally doesn't ovally. to me look that well. <laughs> but I never say ovally. Who ever uses ovally? I mean, really. So is it roundy or ovally? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's rhombusly. <laughs> no, I, I have problems. Cooley, though. Cooley is one that I have to think about, but if I write it, I would definitely put the second L in. But I might start without it. Yeah, I, it it looks it looks very strange to me either way I write it. And I think I was fortunate to get it right. And here is the most interesting one because Kathy and I had a debate about this. We have um, fascinating debates, Fletcher. Yes, <laughs> okay, you have a sweater that's made of wool. It is, mm-hmm. and it's, and now we're going to have an adverb about that wool sweater. It's a woolly, it, it's a woolly sweater? Yes. yes. Like a woolly mammoth? Yes. Right. Well, so that, but that's not an adverb. Well, it's woolly. It's an adjective. Well, it's, Adjective. Right. Sorry. But yeah. that, that just has one L. Now, here we go. Does it have two? It depends which side of the pond you're on. Oh, wow. In America, it has two L's. In England, it has one L. Yeah. And uh, wait, so you said in America, it has two L's and in England, it has yes. one L? Yep. Which is the opposite, though, which is not an adverb or an adjective, but it's a, it's a verb of canceled. We've been through this before when we talked about British yeah. spelling. Canceled has two L's in, 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 in overseas, and it has one L in the States. And mm-hmm. everybody in the States spells it with one with two L's anyway. Yeah, and even though it's I, technically I mean, I'm looking up woolly mammoth here, and it does have two L's. I guess that's right. <laughs> I mean, just, just like looking at it, you know, l- looking at it written down, woolly mammoth does look very strange with only one L. That's funny because maybe I'm reading, maybe I'm reading too many British books because that was Kathy's and, and, and my argument earlier. I thought the one L looked better. And you guys are saying the two L's look better. If you want the truth, I think they both look very strange. <laughs> I'm looking wooly. You know what I mean? It's, it looks very like woo. Yeah. I mean, how many times? I think Fletcher had the only real use I think we'd ever really normally use it for it's woolly mammoth oh no it's fashion that's not true you talk about woolly sweaters you go oh it's like nice crunchy woolly sweater okay i don't talk about sweaters that much i usually just say a wool sweater i guess i don't say a woolly sweater but you're being descriptive i say a wool sweater too i never would say a woolly sweater no i I wouldn't actually i never would either (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying i think i would say a woolly mammoth a woolly mammoth is it and it's an extinct animal so we can move on to the next word which is it's certainly not a minuscule animal. Oh man. Okay, so we we have I wonder what word we need to spell here. We we have talked about this before. Yep. Let's see if you remember. Poor Fletcher. <laughs> no, no, this is great. I love it. Uh but I'm not sure I do remember. I okay, right now I'm writing these down. Okay, I know how people usually spell it and that's M I N I S C U L E, but I'm going to I think it's M I N U S C U L E. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Minuscule, not miniscule. Yes. Exactly. Which if you think of that it makes so much sense, but I think people think mini. Yeah, of course. Mhm. Tell me about this word. Why is it not miniscule? Uh because it comes as usual with so many English words. Um it comes from the Latin and the Latin word, you know, you could talk to the Romans, but they spelled it M I N U S C-U-L-A, mm-hmm. minuscula. Mm-hmm. So and it, it was a diminutive because the, the 
Kula, the uh, Ula part is a diminutive. Okay. And it was from minus le- or minus less. So. But it initially was about letters, right? It wasn't. It was. It wasn't. It initially not. Oh, as the, an adjective. it's like Carolinian minuscule, which are letters. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Very good, Kathy. Thank you. I'm not. I'm not as dumb as I look. <laughs> no, I was just thinking. I was actually thinking your your book acumen is very good. I, just oh, no. for podcast listeners who can't see right now, Kathy does not actually look dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'll have to work on this. Um, the thing is, what got me though was when I did look this up, is that as as the the meaning extremely small, tiny, didn't start getting used widely until the later eighteen hundreds, which shocked me. Yeah, except for the lettering. You're right. That's really weird to me too. I didn't expect that. No, because it's like we've we've got so many. I mean, gosh, how many words we have from Latin that that just like spread, and this one didn't mm-hmm. really. For a long time. No, we'd be in real trouble if we went back into time like an outlander and we said minuscule. People would look at us oddly. So that's, this is important. Yeah. If, if when we time travel, <laughs> keep this in mind, everybody. And don't wear a t-shirt <laughs> with print on it. Trust me. Um, the next word is, is, I don't think it's hard, although I was stunned. It's, it, this actually was, the rate of misspelling is only a tiny bit below minuscule. And I didn't think this was a hard one. Did you? Really I didn't say? think so either. This one I knew. Now we're going to really set Fletcher up. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> yeah, This is a snap. The word <laughs> is sergeant. I think we've done this oh, one before in the past. I, we may yeah. or may not have. I, I think I, I can definitely see people having trouble with this one. Uh, y- yeah, for a couple of reasons, actually. There, there are a couple of trouble spots on this. Mm-hmm. Is it S-E-R? S-E-R-G-E-A-N-T? Mm-hmm. You got it. And so, uh, obviously, uh, putting S-A-R is is pretty reasonable. And leaving out the A, you know, maybe spelling S-A-R-G-E-N-T uh, mm-hmm. would be pretty mm-hmm. reasonable. Is that even how Sergeant Shriver, Sergeant Shriver's name was Sergeant called? Sergeant Shriver yeah, is S-A-R. you're right. He's S-A-R-G-E-N-T. S-A-R-G-E-N-T. Yeah. I think you're right, Fletcher, though. This word, this word basically... I think you can spell it if you've seen it enough or you served in the military or something. And then I think you know it. But I mean, it's it's very counterintuitive. Yeah. And it's even even the origins are counterintuitive because it comes from a Latin word, servientum. And then it changed, you know, into, into that weird spelling, which came from the French, etc. So I'm not surprised that people don't know how to spell it. But I think if you've been exposed in any way to either well, that I think is the key. Or whatever. Also, how about this? I mean, when people write Sarge, you know, hey Sarge, if yeah. people were to write that, they're going to write S A R G E. Right. Yeah, you're not going to write Surge. Right. Right. And the and the spelling is the spelling. It doesn't sound like it's spelled. Yeah. No. Completely. Yeah. Well, it's totally French. I mean, here we go back to like the the loan words from French and how often we have those extra letters that that have no bearing on the pronunciation. If you did spelling mm-hmm. pronunciation, it'd be Sergiant or Sergiant. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next word, Fletcher, is we've talked about this before, and this one always always gets me. Liaison. Liaison. Okay. This one always gets you. Um, that makes me worry about what I'm looking at right here, but I think it's L-I-A-I-S-O-N. Yep. You got it. Okay. Excellent. I don't know why it gets me because it makes sense to me. The L-I and then the A-I would be kind of lia, mm-hmm. but I, I, for some reason, I ought to, spell check always 
catches me on that one. I have no idea why. I think it's because, again, we go back to it's non-standard spelling because it's French. And for me, it's the second I. Well, the combination mm-hmm. of I-A-I exactly. throws me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How often do you ever see I-A-I? No, I'm curious. But yeah, because to me, I want to write liaison or Sean or something. S-I, I guess. Li- liaison? <laughs> yeah, I think I do. I think I do. I think that's what automatically, because it looks wrong. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, I can easily see people writing just L-I-A-S-O-N. That makes sense, right? L-I-A-S-O-N, yeah. Liaison, yeah? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's it's what the I I A I. Yeah, I mean, now, I, speaking of I A I words, we have. I just looked it up, and we have virtually none. Yeah, we have really? liaise, which doesn't count. We have a tice, which I have no idea means. We have ipan, which I also don't know. We have uniad, an anti-aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> of course, anti-aircraft. I would assume there are some Hawaiian words probably that have I-A-I. Yeah, there probably are. Let's see. 13 letter words containing (laughs) anti-aircraft. It's not. It's not common, is it? Okay, let's go to the next one then. I'm sorry. Can I just interject for one second, Ross? Yeah. Um, I was just interested by the fact that it initially was used in English in cooking as a thickening agent. A liaison? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. It didn't go into the whole intimate relations thing until the 1800s. So dangerous liaisons would have meant something completely different. Dangerous sauces. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The next one, Fletcher, I think you're going to be able, we talked about this, the OR and the ER, which is, of course, giving it away, but it's protester. Right. So recently we talked about the uh, um, agent of suffixes, ER and OR. Right. Now, I can't remember the rules, um, so... I, I can't guarantee that I'm going to get this right, but I think this is protest, P-R-O-T-E-S-T-O-R. Wrong. God dang it. Mm-hmm. That is really interesting. Yeah. It's E-R. No, and it's not. The, the... It's O-R. He's right. No, it's E-R. <sighs> Protester? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have two people. <laughs> this is really interesting because, you know, we were talking about... The rule was unfortunately really a pain because the rule was, does it come straight from Latin or was it like kind of subsumed via the French into into English? And I mean, you know, how do we know this? So basically, it's just a guess. Looking at this, I thought the ER looked, uh, apparently I'm, I'm alone here. I thought the ER looked correct. The OR to me looked incorrect. <laughs> but apparently we have two people who disagree. Uh, yeah, I only kind of disagree. I'm looking at both of the words next to each other now, and the ER does look pretty correct to me. Now, had I written them both down, I think I still would have chosen OR. But looking at looking at ER versus OR right now, in front of my eyes, the ER does look pretty correct. OR mm-hmm. is considered an alternate spelling, though. I'm not saying it's correct, right. but it's I alternate. think we're getting a little bit. <laughs> I'm trying here, baby. <laughs> but interestingly enough, I just looked up the etymology. And of course, protest is originally from the Latin, but it came via uh, into Old French as uh, proteste, which ER. Mm, yep. So therefore, you know, but I mean, again, to know the rule means you have to know like where the word comes from. 500 years ago, which is sort of a silly thing to have to do. So we just have to look at it, memorize it. Okay, this is another toughie, Fletcher, I think. 
I got it right, but it took me years, many years ago to get it right. Supersede. Supersede. I. Interesting. I'm. I'm. I'm wondering what I might be doing wrong that, because it took you so long to get it right. Supersede. S U P E R C E D E. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> That, That's the th trick. Well, that would be the trick, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's an S. S-E-D-E? Supersede. S-E-D-E. So, but, okay. Well, see, what I was trying to do is think of su supersessionist, but I guess that is also with an S? Mm -hmm. Wow. That still looks wrong to me. Even writing the, writing the correct spelling there looks wrong to me. Yeah, I agree with you. And Kathy made a point earlier. I mean, the problem is we have intercede. Uh -huh. which we spell with C-E-D-E. So I think that's the problem as well. And of course, it comes from the Latin, and the Latin word actually had a C in it, and then we have precede and secede, etc. So I don't think... It's not a dumb mistake at all. It makes sense, I think. The Latin word had a C in it. Well, it comes from sedere, which uh -huh. is a Latin word, which is the uh, Latin word. So, go. so somewhere along the way, it changed to an S? Yes. For some reason. Well, the one thing is... Um, in Latin, in I, early Latin. I'm sorry, Ross. I'm not seeing that. I have the C-E-D, the to-go is for intercede, succeed, and precede. And supersede is from, from S-E-D-E-R-E -E, to sit. I'm seeing You're something completely right. different yeah. than you are. There you go. Oh, okay. You so, are right. So it comes from a different word. Yeah. So Kathy that just made the point, and I think it's a really good point. I was automatically, here's the danger of... of knowing a language and not knowing enough <laughs> of the etymology. I was presuming because of intercede, it came from a Latin word, sedere, which would have been pronounced cadere in the old days, and it elided into sounding like an S as an intercede. But supersede does not do this. Mm -mm. Kathy, why don't you say your triumphant <laughs> etymology? I thought, do, 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 do. Um, Okay, it comes from, it literally meant sit on top of, from... Super, meaning above, yeah. and sedere to sit with an S, not a C. Yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah, so you're so superseding, you're literally like on top of it. Sitting on top of it. Yeah, very good. Thank I you, I'm not... proud. <laughs> so therefore, I mean, this one, Fletcher got the spelling wrong, I got the etymology wrong, <laughs> and Kathy got them both right. In spite of the fact of her constant drunkenness. <laughs> oh, drunkenness. Okay, now, we did this one. Yeah, we, we have done this one, so it, it's, it's Okay, let's see if Fletcher remembers. Ends up on this uh, list. Drunkenness is drunken, D-R-U-N-K-E-N, Ness, N-E-S-S, -S, two N's in a row. Perfect. Yes. Very good. I don't like how that looks, though, I have to say. See, I don't mind drunkenness. I mean, the word. <laughs> 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 the spelling works for me. What fascinates me, though, is, okay, it's like coolly you have those double, the double consonants, the two L's, right? And here mm -hmm. you have the double N's. But now, drunkenness, we're talking about the doubles, but then in pastime... You don't right? have but, the doubles. Yeah, but we've talked about pastime in that it doesn't mean past time. It's not no. past time. It's no, past, I know, but, passing time. But I think, again, it's just like visually you get this is what throws you with English. It's like because you go, OK, you have to think about the meaning instead of just the spelling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, speaking of double words, let's skip to dumbbell and then go back. Mm. Right. So dumbbell. 
is uh, just one B. D U M B E L L. No, it's not. It's two B's. Yes. <sighs> yeah. Okay. If you insist. I don't like that one either, Kathy. What do you think <laughs> on that one? I don't mind it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> drunkenness. I'm all for these things. Dumbbell, fine. You know, I, I don't think it's really um, an issue. Tell me about that word. I don't. I don't understand wh- where that where word came comes from? from. Yeah. I was just going to say that because that's what fascinated me. It's um, they were using them and they they looked like a, a bell, a church bell, but they don't they don't ring, mm. so they're dumb, as in the old sense of dumb, like you can't speak. Okay. So it's a dumb bell, a silent bell. Wow. And it might have been, it probably was hyphenated initially. So we have dumb hyphen bell, and I think it's probably easy, therefore, not to to merge the two Bs. Actually, I'm just thinking, though, barbell. Well, that's because it's two bells with a bar in the middle, I assume. No? I'm just looking at the etymology. I want to make sure, because you never know. Sometimes these weird, they have weird etymologies on these things. No, it is. It's a bar with two bells. Yeah. Although it really should be bar dumbbell. <laughs> That's true, it. because these bells don't <laughs> ring either. <laughs> yeah. So. Or dumb. No, the bar isn't dumb. No, no. it's bar dumbbell. Bar dumbbell. <laughs> bar dumbbell. Saying that. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I do too. Okay, next one is one that this is one that I never can spell correctly, and I should. And I bet you can, Fletcher, because it's in the news all the time. Millennium. Okay. So I want to say... We've done a lot of episodes on this show because some of these words have come up in in various other episodes. And this one, I'm pretty sure I do remember, but only because we've done it before uh, and I got it wrong. And Ross explained to me why I got it wrong. And so thank you for that, Ross. Anyway, it's two L's and two. You're welcome. Two L's and two N's. Mm M-I-L-L-E-N-N-U-I-U-M. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. And we explained it because it was meal, which is a thousand, which is two L's. And then anus, which is year, which has two N's. Right. So that's how you that's how you remember it. Yeah, I remember what I did before was I only had one N because I wasn't thinking, even though it's obviously years, I wasn't thinking about enium and anus meaning meaning years. I knew the yeah. meal part, right? Yeah. It's funny like saying annual that. annual we have. Because mm-hmm. it's what you guys were saying before. If you think about the meaning, you usually can spell it. If you think, mm-hmm. I think the problem I have is I just do the knee jerk. Okay, it's got ands and you know, l's, and I just sort of chuck them in. And so this is actually why I was pretty good at spelling bees, but not great at spelling bees. Which was just because mm-hmm. I I knew how to spell the words, but I didn't I didn't dig any deeper, and I didn't start thinking about the meanings of the words or where they came from or anything like that. Yeah. But when you go backwards into English language history, which is interesting, Kathy had found this really interesting article on in Studio Neophilologica that said both E-N-I-U-M and E-N-N-I-U-M words uh, don't occur very frequently. But E-N with one N, I-U-M words, are a lot more used than E-N-N-I-U-M. So in many ways, what you were doing, Fletcher, with only using one N is you were sort of like getting the idea in English that the double N is rare and the single N is more common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go by gut feel too often. That's the problem. That's what I do. <laughs> I do, actually. I, I think I just do yeah. it sort of like, I think it's like that. Okay. You know, which is not the right way. This one got me, I mean, because I know how to spell it, but I just liked it from the from the etymological standpoint. The word is bellwether. Oh, right, right. Okay, okay. Ah. <laughs> thought I have this paper in front of me today. 
I don't usually. Okay. Oops. No. Oh, well, now I've written it down wrong, and it looks weird. Um, let's try that again. This is very exciting radio. Bellwether. I think it's B E L L W E T H E R. Wow. Ding 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 ding. Excellent. Right. So two L's and and no A. It's not weather like the like storms or rain or whatever. Just curiously, do you know, I, I, this was really interesting to both of us, but do you know the origin of Bellwether by any chance? Mm, no, not <laughs> off the top of my head. No, I've, I've heard this. I, I've heard this. I, I have, but I, I don't know the answer off the top of my head. No, I don't. Well, if you ever want to talk about a castrated male sheep. Oh, this is not what I was expecting. Luck. This often comes up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kath, do you want to go with that? Oh, yeah. No, a, a weather, W-E-T-H-E-R, not weather or weather with an A, is a, is, a, is a male sheep, especially a castrated one. It might not always be castrated. I want to point that out. We could have like a potent male sheep. And um, the bellwether, here we go back to bells, was the lead sheep. And they put a neck on, around his neck, you'd have a bell. So he was like, you know, top sheep, even if he was neutered. Boy. And he was basically, and he was leading, you could see what's happening. I mean, you could see how the word comes in. He's leading the other sheep. When did that start meaning something more uh, abstract? Pretty early. Um, the whole idea of, of, of a leader, if you will, a bellwether, is something that, 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 that signals something, started in the mid-14th century. Wow. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an early... That, that actually really fascinated us, because I would have thought it came in in the 1800s or something, but it's very early. I've got a question for both of you. What do you call a sheep which has a defective bell? Is, is this is this a bell? is this a dumb bellwether? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god! I'm, I'm 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 horrified. You know, it it makes me think though about how little I realize what an impact this kind of life had back then. I, what I mean is, I guess maybe it would make sense for for talking about a castrated sheep that leads the the pack of sheep um, to, to sort of morph into talking about just something that leads. Yeah. You know, because sheep were a big deal back in the 14th yeah. century, right? Just like the bear mm-hmm. market, when we were talking about how strange it is that the, that the idea of a bear market might come from selling bear pelts. Well, yeah, to yeah. us, because we don't sell mm-hmm. a lot of bear pelts, but, but back then... <laughs> That, Speak for yourself, Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, back then, this was a huge deal, sheep and, and bear pelts and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, not to sound corny, that is one of the beauties, I think, of language, because you do see history in it, and you've got a feel for stuff. Yeah. Like, I hear bellwether, and I get a picture in my head. I really do. I do now, yeah. <laughs> but what interests me the most is sometimes how things change, too, because we had, I think we talked about this earlier with dull as ditch water, mm-hmm. which, and we, we began to lose the you know, the association with with stale water in ditches and we switched it to a similar sounding word dishwater to make it much more evocative to us which is and so in a sense like some of them don't stay fossilized they change with how times change bellwether of course hasn't i mean we haven't changed it to uh to something more appropriate to, you know more evocative to us can I ask you both to spell one more word? Because this is one I never can spell, and it wasn't on the list, but I just am curious if you guys can do it. Sure, bonus word here. Okay, onomatopoeia. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I never can spell this, so I'm just curious how dumb okay, so am I, relatively okay, speaking. I think I can try it though from Greek. If can I should I give it Professor, do you want to try first or not? Uh yeah, I, yeah, let me try it. Um it, I have one letter I think that might trip me up, but I think I might get the rest of it. O N O M A T O P O E I A. Wow, yep. beautiful! Yeah, I got you it. got it. Okay. Now, Ross, explain to me. It. Explain to me why why I got it. <laughs> oh, because it, from the ancient Greek, you have uh, onomatopoeia means making a name, and the ancient Greek would be onoma, which would be name, and then it, it you add a little when you. To decline it, you add the to to it, and then poesis is uh, like as in poetry, but it all, in Greek it means making, so it's making a name. So cool. it's name making. Yeah. So why why would name making mean sounding like a word that sounds like what it is? Well, because you're phonetically imitating a, a sound. You're you're making a name, like meow. You're making a word out of the sound. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. Okay. I get it. That makes sense. Okay. Because it just sounded odd to me. When I you, when I hit the bell, uh, it makes the clang. As long as it's not a dumbbell, I guess. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You're Saying It Wrong is a worldwide affair. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or better yet, a review on your podcast platform of choice. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And don't forget they have a new book out, A History of the World Through Body Parts. The stories behind the organs, appendages, digits, and the like attached to or detached from famous bodies. You can find that pretty much anywhere you get books as well. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.